Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Painting the Corners with Logan and Johnny. I'm your host, Johnny Einstead, alongside co-host Logan Parker. Hi everyone, aforementionedly, I am Logan Parker, and today we're going to be kind of diving into the All-Star game and uh, all the facilities that go along with it, but mainly focusing on ballots, busts, and who we had in the game versus who actually is in the game. Um, just kind of give a quick background on Johnny and I. We both played high school baseball together on a varsity level at Del Norte High School down here in San Diego, California. Um, Johnny was a very, very good pitcher and a versatile infielder playing third, second, and shortstop, um, where I was also a pitcher, um, finding myself in center field uh, more times than not. Um, after high school, I went off to Palomar Community College to play some junior college baseball, um, where I found myself getting some acknowledgments such as uh, State Pitcher of the Year in California, as well as All-American. Um, Johnny headed up to UC Santa Barbara, where he is uh, currently studying things for very, very smart people, and I'll let him dive into that a little bit more. Thank you, Logan. Yeah, I'm a physics major at UCSB, which unfortunately means that I just don't have the time for baseball during uh, the school year. But um, since it's summer right now, I have joined uh, the Santa Barbara Adult Men's Baseball League, which has been a great experience so far. And I've been pitching for them every Sunday, um, which has really been the highlight of my summer so far. And yeah, as Logan said, we're both primarily pitchers, uh, but we love everything about baseball hitting, fielding, pitching, um, and uh, yeah, we can't wait to talk about it with you. Yeah, where I think we provide a unique perspective is just in the fact that we were, like he said, both position and pitchers, um, so we understand the game at a fairly high level um, in, in our playing careers, but we're also extremely analytical. Um, we live and breathe on fan graphs. Uh, we baseball savant every game we watch, so we definitely provide a unique perspective and, and like I said earlier today today we're going to kind of use those perspectives to dive deep into the all-star ballots what we had discuss what we looked at and what should be and what should not be looked at um, and you know what it really means to be an all-star because a lot of people have differing opinions on what it really means um, and, and I think that's great that makes that makes our society great but at the same time um, Johnny and I kind of have our unique perspectives as well so uh, kind of Johnny I'd love for you to share what you're your your take is on all that sort of stuff yeah for sure i mean every year you hear about all-star snubs and usually it's from fans saying like oh man this guy sitting 310 you know before the all-star break with 15 homers i don't know how he's not an all-star and um yeah you have to you have to understand the perspectives of mlb um and the perspectives of the players when they vote and of course the perspectives of the fan votes so you know, MLB, as a business, has to get its most marketable players on the big stage. So naturally, they're going to lean towards um, players that are, you know, household names, players that play in bigger markets. And, you know, while that may not be fair on a pure numbers basis, um, that's just uh, the reality of how it is. So for my rankings, when I looked at the roster, I did primarily consider statistics um, but when there was a close race, I definitely looked at, you know, who would have the bigger impact, who's the bigger star, um, who's the bigger name. Uh, and since the, since the uh, All-Star game is going to be held in Los Angeles, I did look at um, hometown teams, um, since MLB always likes to get hometown players into the All-Star game. What about you, Logan? 
Yeah, no, I share a very similar opinion on it all. Um, very much like, like Johnny said, I love looking at statistics and trying to differentiate um, what statistics actually matter when it comes to all-star voting versus what doesn't matter. And I think there's a very big difference between all-star ballot statistics versus end-of-the-year, you know, award-type statistics, and also when you're looking to giving a guy a contract, you know, what his value truly is. Um, you know, most people don't, but you do see people trying to use statistics like FIP, fielder independent pitching, that are more predictive stats to say this guy should be an all-star. But at the end of the day, the way I look at it, if you're an all-star, it's what you did. It's not what you should have done or what you can do. It's what you have done. Um, and I, so I feel like for the most part, um, the the committee who kind of decided the reserves, I know that's made up of the players and the commissioner's office, did a fairly good job of that. Um, like Johnny said, you definitely see some of the bias towards the big market teams because they want to get those stars in the game because they know it ups their viewership and more viewership means more money. Um, and that's a whole different ethical discussion that we're not going to get into today, but at the end of the day, that is the reality. And so I think it's just important to note that while Johnny and I might have certain opinions on guys, that doesn't mean that MLB got it wrong. It's just different from what we would have done if we had the decision-making process. Um, so I think what we're going to do now is we're going to dive deep into the American League All-Stars. Um, kind of break it down position by position um, and look at it from a perspective of what we both saw um, and, and what players we took into consideration for each position. Um, so just kind of kick off the American League. Um, we'll start with the legend because we're just going to get that one out of the way. Miguel Cabrera is the legend pick by the commissioner's office. It was written into the new CBA. So you see him there. Um, the thing with Cabrera is it's not a situation where he's a decrepit 40-year-old. He has had a pretty solid year batting average-wise. He's not hitting for much power at, or slug. Um, so his OPS numbers aren't great, but he is hitting above 300 this year, so it's it's something that is interesting to see. Um, but that's great to have him there. He's obviously a legend in this game, last guy to get a triple crown. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Um, but let's dive into the catcher position. So I think from the AL perspective, in my opinion, I looked at three catchers. Um, Alejandro Kirk, uh, Jose Trevino, and Jonah Heim. Uh, obviously, Kirk was already voted in by the fans, so he wasn't in consideration. So it was trying to decide if we wanted to go Trevino or Heim. And I think basically when you look at the two guys, the main difference is Heim has been hitting the ball very, very well this year. He has 123 WRC plus versus Trevino's 106. But Trevino has provided excellent, excellent defense for uh, for the New York Yankees and a big reason that their pitching staff has had a lot of success. So I think at the end of the day, he had more war because of that. So, you know, it's kind of tough. I wonder what you kind of were thinking there at that catcher position, Johnny, because I know for me, my backup catcher was Jonah Heim. I value offense more than uh, defense in this sort of thing. But for me, it was Jonah Heim. I'm curious what you considered in this catching position for the AL. Yeah, so this is an interesting one to start off with. As you mentioned um, in the intro, all-star game stats should be different than like MVP stats and other considerations. Um, and part of that is that Offense is, you know, what draws in the fans. Chicks did the long ball. Um, it's been true since, since the beginning of baseball. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we're going to tend to lean towards guys that are 
better offensive <coughs> players compared to better defensive players. Um, but the other aspect of this is that Trevino, after being traded from the Rangers, interestingly, since Hyman is basically his replacement, um, to the Yankees, he has totally become a household name. He has two walk-offs this year. He's become a fan favorite, fan favorite in New York. And um, for that reason, I actually had Trevino as my okay. backup catcher over Heim, uh, just because I felt that um, that would be more meaningful to more fans to see him there. Okay, and yeah, I think that's a great great perspective for sure, and, and that's kind of the difference. And this one, again, for me, even though Heim didn't get in, I don't have an issue with Trevino being in at all. Um, and, I, and I think at the end of the day um, that I wouldn't consider Heim a snub. I would just consider him kind of unlucky per his position. Um, kind of diving into first base now, and this is an interesting one because I don't want to say it's obvious, but we know it's a popularity contest. Statistically, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not the best first baseman in the American League, and I think that's kind of obvious. Um, you know, he has a he's been playing fine. He only has put together a 1.7 WAR this year, and there are guys who have put together significantly better seasons offensively than he has. Um, I think you look at a couple things. Luis Arise is a big, big piece of all this because he's been considered a first baseman in the American League, but we all know he's really not. He's doing it out of need, but he's also split time at second base, which has made it a tough decision. Um, I personally pushed Arise to the second base, and this is probably why mine is a little bit off. I probably should have kept Arise at first is because that is what Major League Baseball went with him as. And obviously, he got the backup nod to Vlad at first base which I think would, at the end of the day, was probably what I would have done. However, I did go with Ty France. Now, I know he has been hurt, um, but Ty France has been integral to that Seattle Mariners offense, and especially lately, after that 12-game winning streak that they find themselves on, he's been a huge part of that clutch hits. Um, but he's just been consistent, consistent all year, 143 WRC+. plus. I mean, that's that's really, really good. Um, and in comparison to, you know, Arise, who's put together 150, which is obviously, that's you're, you're borderlining, you know, pretty elite at that point. Um, I had France at first. I probably would have had Arise had I not considered Arise a second baseman. Um, but I also think you got to look at a couple other guys. Like, Anthony Rizzo has had a very good year. He's put up 134 WRC+. Plus, and Abreu... Um, has but he has the second or sorry he leads the American League in WAR for first baseman at two point nine F four, and it's not significant relatively close at the end of the day. Um, so you know I kind of curious what your thoughts were there. I I included both um, France Arise um, Rizzo on my team. Um, kind of curious where you went in that route. Yeah, so you just mentioned that France has been hurt, and so I took a quick look at Fangraphs to see. How many plate appearances he has. And he actually has 342 plate appearances this year, which is not only well above the qualification threshold, but that's more, two more, than Luis Arise. So he has certainly stepped up to the plate enough to, uh, you know, provide some serious value there for the M's. Um, and, yeah, actually, so I kept Arise listed as a first baseman on my team, but I was also able to find room for him and France and... Anthony Rizzo with, as you said, a Jose Abreu um, being a, a late scratch there, just just off the pace of the other three. Um, and it should be noted that Logan and I have not talked about our list with each other, and we no. made these before the uh, reserves came out, after the starters were announced, but before the reserves were announced. 
Correct. And, and I think, too, you know, kind of looking at it again, I don't know how you feel about this. I don't like my edition of Anthony Rizzo. I do have to be honest. I The more I look at it, the more and more I kind of feel like I would have rather put Jose Abreu on there. Um, I, I think Rizzo has been good. I don't know why I was trying to get him on there. I just, you know, I feel like it was a cool story. You know, he's he's you kind of think he'd be falling off, but he's really not. Um, but the more I look at it, I feel like Jose Abreu has earned that nod. And keep in mind, neither of these two guys are on the roster at this point. Granted, they could be added later, but neither are at this point. Yeah, they certainly are having pretty similar years. Um, Rizzo does have better power numbers, which matters uh, for the All-Star game. And again, he's a Yankee. You know, He's from the big market, um, probably going to draw more fans than Jose Abreu. Um, but yeah, interesting that MLB... Um, MLB has not chosen Rizzo and Abreu, and it also has not chosen France, um, right. which has surprised both of us uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I know social media-wise, you know, if you're following on Twitter or Instagram, um, I think the most consensus biggest snub that I've seen from the American League position player standpoint, and honestly at this point from the entire position player pool has been Ty France. I think there's a pretty high, uh, consensus that he should have been the starter. Um, granted, my Luis Arise, you know, kind of kind of clouded that. But at the end of the day, most people wanted France. Um, popularity contest. Vlad has an entire country to vote for him. But at the same time, it is shocking that they've continued to add guys to the team, and Ty France hasn't found himself anywhere even on that list. Um, so yeah, he's gonna just have to hope and wait. Someone else gets hurt or backs out to see if he'll make that roster. Um, I think it's time to kind of bounce to second base here, and this is another interesting one, again, with the status of Luis Arise. And so for the sake of this, I'm going to consider him a first baseman. He was my backup second baseman to Jose Altuve. Um, keynote here with Altuve, though. Should he have been the starter? Yes. Is he the best second, ba- second baseman in the entire sport? Yes. It's not really a question. However, he is not playing. Now, he can say he's hurt, but we all know why he's not playing. He doesn't want to get booed at Dodger Stadium. Um, and he's done this multiple times, as well as other Astro players. So the other backup second baseman, who I did not have on my team, but I would have had I had a rise as a first baseman, and this was the guy who just missed the cut for me. He was one spot off for making the team, was Andres Jimenez, the Cleveland Guardians, um, playing a phenomenal Phenomenal second base, came over in the door trade. He's now going to be the starting second base in the All-Star game, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, and then the addition for Altuve's spot is Santiago Espinal. Now, I know I know the Toronto Blue Jays are a big market. You want to get guys on there, but how in the world, and, and I'll let Johnny kind of maybe give me some insight on how he thinks this is even possible. How in the world is a guy with 100 WRC+, plus? so he's a league average hitter, League average making the All Star team. When I can, I can give you three guys right now who deserve it over him, right now. But I'd love to hear your perspective on that, Johnny. Before I get too too frustrated with with all this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely see your point. Espinal, he's certainly you know a solid player, um, but yeah, as you said, exactly exactly a league average hitter by measure of weighted runs created plus. Um, he's put up decent war numbers, but that's due mo- mostly to his defense, which we already uh, explained is not um, as important as a, of a consideration for the All-Star game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, uh, 
bit of a confusing pick here. Um, do you know if this was a selection by the MLB committee or the player vote? Yeah, so this is MLB committee. Every single edition past the reserves that were officially announced are coming through the commissioner's office. Okay, and yeah, we know their strategy. They've, they've said that they're going to go straight by F4 down the list at the position, right? <laughs> well, you would say that, but however, here's my other argument, right? So if you're going to go by F4, and here's the guys who qualify at second base, all these guys I'm going to list are American League players not on the team with higher F4, okay? And I'm going to tell you what their WRC pluses are. All these guys have higher F4 than San- Santiago Espinal. Jorge Polanco, 123 WRC+. Plus. Trevor Story has a 93, but he has higher war. Probably shouldn't make the team get it. This is the one I think should have replaced. Gliber Torres, okay, he has 133 WRC+. Plus. That is, the, I think that kind of 130 mark when I was doing my research kind of separated a lot of guys for me. Um, so he's above that. He's put together above two war season. He's played very, very, very well. Um, I, I, am, I am genuinely shocked a guy like that with another over 800 OPS who is a Yankee, doesn't make it over him. DJ LeMahieu also has more war than him, 127 WRC+. Don't think he is considered a second baseman at this point, but still, point being, I'm not seeing a world in which they looked at any stats other than maybe batting average, um, to which he's still not the highest amongst those guys that I just listed. I'm not seeing the stats. I'm just not. I'm not seeing the decision to back it up other than he was the popular fan vote. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's really the only thing left. MLB must have noticed that he came in second to Altuve in the fan vote, and uh, I guess wanted to acknowledge that. Um, but I'd like to circle back to Jimenez for a second. Sure. He, so, yeah, as you mentioned, he came over in the Lindor trade, and he posted a 73 rated runs created plus last year. That's 27% below Lee average. And, you know, obviously he's still a young player, but at that point, the front office was certainly um, sweating a little bit, um, hoping that he would turn around. And, man, he totally has this year. A huge 138 weighted runs created plus this year. Um, And he has absolutely carried this team to uh, within striking distance of both the AL Central and an AL wildcard spot. Um, so yeah, definitely a big shout out to Jimenez for, uh, for breaking out and, uh, taking some of the pressure off of his front office. Big time. And, and also being traded for by a team that develops very, very well. So let's move on to shortstop position. Tim Anderson is a starting shortstop for the American league. Um, I don't think there's any way you can argue other than popularity that he should be starting. He's just simply not the best, nor second, probably nor third, best shortstop in the American League. But I digress from that fact because that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the backups, and there's only one. Excuse me, there's two from the American League. You have Xander Bogarts, who in my opinion should have been the starting shortstop, highest F4, um, not even really too close in the American League, 139 WRC+. plus. Solid, solid player. Should have been starting. The other one who was a late addition was Corey Seager. Now, my initial reaction to this, and I don't know yours, my initial reaction was what? It really was. I did not expect this, and I thought it was weird. He has a below seven hundred or below eight hundred OPS, which you kind of hope for all stars to be above eight hundred. You know that that kind of seems like a at least a good good rate mark. Um, you know he does have one hundred twenty. Two WRC plus. I know offense is down, so maybe 800 isn't a good benchmark anymore. Um, but he does have the second highest WAR among AL shortstops. You have Jeremy Pena, 
who's not too far behind, who you could probably argue. Um, but technically, by WRC+, plus, he hasn't been better. So, realistically, I guess Corey Seager is the addition. The weird thing to me is that it was for an outfielder, for George Springer to replace. I'm not exactly sure why that was. Um, I, I kind of like to hear your thoughts on that one. It's a curious... One, though I don't think he's been played bad enough. I, I do think he's played on a level where you can argue he's a borderline all-star. Yeah, I was surprised at that as well. Um, I hadn't even really taken that deep of a of a look at Seager um, since he started off pretty slowly uh, for the Rangers. Um, he has definitely been uh, a big name. You know, they signed a huge contract last year with the Rangers, um, so he's definitely been in the spotlight. And, um, you know, perhaps MLB was looking at that a little bit and his popularity. Um, but, yeah, so the three main shortstops that I considered were Bogart's Carlos Correa and um, Pena, as you mentioned. Um, and actually, Bogart's and Correa, I thought, were very similar. And really the only separator for me was that uh, Carlos Correa missed a few weeks with a finger injury. And as a result, he has about a f- 100 fewer plate appearances than Bogarts. But on a rate basis, he has been just as good uh, for the Twins as Bogarts has been for the Sox. Um, and yeah, Pena also having a great year. Um, but a little bit up and down, um, which you come to expect from a rookie. But uh, certainly a very solid year and worthy of all-star consideration. Um, Seager... He's turned it around a little bit as of late um, after a slow start, but yeah, I was I was definitely I was definitely surprised to see him uh, selected. But you know, there is one more angle to this, which is he's a former Dodger, so Very with true. the All Star Game being held in Los Angeles, you know, maybe MLB saw this as a way to uh, get a little intrigue into the game. Yeah, and I think another point to kind of add on to your home run derby point there, or sorry, not your your home run derby point, but your your all star game former Dodger thing. Seager is in the home run derby, right? And they didn't put a Dodger in the home run derby, which I can't remember a time that a home team did not have a player. Now my guess is Mookie Betts and Will Smith said no, and after that, the Dodgers aren't really slugging for home runs as like a, an individual basis. They're slugging well as a team, but they don't have guys other than those two who've really hit a ton of home runs. So my guess is this. They wanted to get a former Dodger. Um, Seager fit that category. Very recent, very lovable. Um, no one was mad that he left because they had Trey Turner. He has 22 home runs on the year, and it gave him, they said, hey, you come play in the home run derby, we'll put you on the all-star team. How does that sound? I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching, but that's kind of my th- my uh, my my theory here, at least to what might have happened. That is a pretty good conspiracy theory there. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can compete in the home run derby without being in the All Star game, correct? Correct, but I feel like certain guys would say no, unless they were already there for the whole festivities. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Who knows? You could be right with that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely a bit of a surprise to see Seager, but, uh, there, there are a few reasons to include him. Um, so let's move on to third base. I think this one won't take us too much time. It's extremely fa- straightforward. There's two players that you really only considered, Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez. Um, after that, you know, Bregman's had a good year. 
Yondi Diaz has had an underrated year, but he just doesn't play enough because, uh, well, to be honest, I take that back. He's actually had a very, very good year. Yondi Diaz has for the Tampa Bay Rays um, and Eugenio Suarez as well. But there's just two guys that were just in the league above everyone else, Rafi Devers and Jose Ramirez. And if you look at the statistics as of today, Rafael Devers is kind of blowing away Ramirez. And it's not that Ramirez has been bad, but Devers is just raking. I mean, 171 WRC plus, and we're not even quite yet at the All-Star break. 4.6 ward. That's kind of ridiculously good. Um, he's the starter who I had as the starter. Jose Ramirez, the backup, 157 WRC plus four war. I don't really think there's much more to it than that. You know, I started smiling as soon as you said there are only two under consideration because I have three AL third basemen on my roster. Do you? Take a guess at the third one. I'm going to say Yandy Diaz because that's who I would have had. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, I was hugely surprised when I was started digging into the numbers. And um, yeah, 144 weighted runs created plus. Um, it's only third in the uh, at the position because Devers and Ramirez are just absolutely insane. But that would lead most positions um, in the AL. And yeah, it's not like he hasn't been playing. He's he's had 330 plate appearances. Um, He's walked more than he's struck out, which is extremely rare in today's game. 14.8% walk rate, which is absolutely elite, and only 10.5% carry rate, which is less than half the league average. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't slug much. That's kind of the one thing against him, but he's hitting 299 with an on-base over 400. So, you know, still an extremely productive hitter. And, yeah, I found room for him in my all-star ballot. You know, the more you kind of debate that one, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I don't know if I, I personally say I have room, but, man, there's sure an argument for him over Corey Seager. Um, there really, really is, and especially with Seager just being an addition for an outfielder. It wasn't like another shortstop got hurt. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I would have also added him, though I do not think I would have put him on my original ballot. Maybe over Anthony Rizzo probably would have, to be honest, at the end of the day. But, um yeah, he definitely deserves to be an all-star, so hopefully they find a way to get him in there. Um, let's head to the outfield, which I think has some interesting discussions to come about. Um, so the guy who got the most votes in the entire league and was a lock, and who should have gotten probably the most votes, him or Mike Trout, um, was Aaron Judge. Uh, leads the league in war, or sorry, not the league, I shouldn't say league, but he does lead all of outfielders in war in 4.2, 163 WRC+, yada yada, dominates. Um so we know he's out there. He's starting. You also have Mike Trout. Not even going to dive into his numbers because you can do it on your own and look how ridiculous he does every single year. And the final one is Giancarlo Stanton, which might seem a little biased at first. Um, and quite honestly, it's not like he's been the best outfielder in baseball, but he's put together a good, good season, and I don't think there's really an issue with him starting. And he probably would have made my ballot no matter what either way. Um, 132 WRC plus, but let's dive into the reserves here for a second. Um, we know the reserves are Byron Buxton, Kyle Tucker, Andrew Benatendi, Julio Rodriguez, George Springer. So you got five reserves to kind of consider here. Um, we'll dive into Jordan Alvarez later. I know he's been playing outfield, but he's under DH consideration. Um, so when you look at it, and just right, a reminder that Springer is out. For the All-Star game. Yes, he pulled an Altuve and is not going to go, so he doesn't get booed. Um, I think the obvious ones for me were Byron Buxton and Kyle Tucker. I knew right away they should be in. 
Buxton, while he's hitting 217, this isn't 1905. He's slugging a ton. He's going to make it. Um, Kyle Tucker is just just a really, really good hitter, and the Astros just produce really, really good hitters every year. Um, 135 WRC+. plus got to be in there. The one that surprised me, because I knew how much he struggled, and I'm sure a lot of people were surprised too when they looked at the numbers, was Julio Rodriguez. I found him a spot for him on mine, and there was no way I couldn't once I looked into his numbers. He's put together a three-war season after a month of just not playing good, and there was consideration of sending him down. He's put up together three-war, 136 WRC+. plus. I mean, that is that is really, really elite for a guy who struggled for an entire month. We're not even halfway through. We're probably about halfway through the year at this point. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very impressive. Um, Andrew Benintendi now... I can't say that he's been a world beater, but he's been good. 127 WRC plus, 1.9 war. I think that's good enough to be a borderline all-star, and the Royals needed a representative, so he's in, and it's not a terrible representative by any means. Um, and then the final one, like we said, George Springer, um, he's had a good year, nothing insane. Uh, 125 WRC plus, hitting 250, um, OPS above 800, so that's all all-star level. I think the biggest snub for me on this list, and I'd love to hear kind of what you had on your list, Johnny. The biggest snub for me is Taylor Ward. Now, there's an argument that he does not have enough at-bats, and I get that. For me, he did, especially with how well he's been doing. 151 WRC+, plus, put together 2.5 war. Granted, only 283 played appearances, um, but I found a spot for him on my roster, and I honestly didn't really second-guess myself on that one. Yeah, I totally agree. We do have some differences here. Actually, this is where I paid for including Rizzo and Diaz um, because I was only able to select three outfield reserves. And I narrowed it down to a pool of five. Taylor Ward, Julio, uh, Andrew Benintendi, Kyle Tucker, and Byron Buxton. And I struggled with this one for a while, but just like you, I had Ward as my first in. Yeah, and field reserves. Um, yeah, as you said, like over 150 weighted run created plus. I feel like that should be pretty much automatic, as long as you've you know you've been on the field at least a little bit. And he certainly has. I mean, 283 plate appearances. It's not the most, but um, it's certainly enough to uh, to draw some serious and can, conclusions. Can I say really quick too that we can if if you're going to use the plate appearance argument, Jeff McNeil is a starting second baseman. He only has 296 plate appearances for the National League, and he wasn't fan-voted on. So I kind of think that's a bad argument if anyone does argue it. But sorry to interrupt, but I had to add that. No, that's, that's totally cool, yeah. Um, it's, it certainly has its place, but I think in this case, Ward has been so outstanding that he deserves a spot, uh, even though he's missed a little time. Um, and so the other four remaining for the two spots, J-Rod, Benintendi, Tucker, and Buxton. And so... I quickly had to narrow that down because Benintendi pretty much has to be the Royals representative. He's been far Correct. away their best player. Um, there's really no one else you can consider for all-star honors. And not, th- not that he's not deserving, as you said, uh, hitting over 300. Um, he's, doing, he's doing very well, and I'm sure he will bring the Royals some pretty good prospects at the deadline. But Very much. Yeah, so once he's in, I had Julio Tucker Buxton for one spot left. Oof. And you could uh, you could definitely argue that I should have kicked out Rizzo or uh, and or Diaz here, but 
I felt pretty strongly that they had been they should be included, although I don't feel as strongly about Rizzo now. But yeah. anyway, um, when I made this list, I chose Julio Rodriguez over Kyle Tucker and Byron Buxton, and it was very close. So let me go through my notes here. What I what I wrote. So Tucker has the highest weighted runs created plus one thirty nine, but the other two are also in the one thirties, not that far behind. So very close offensive wise. So I kind of went down my tiebreaker list, and so I looked at homers. Um, Buxton is the best defender, and he has the most homers, but he also has the fewest plate appearances. And the other two have like solid gloves, also not as good as him. And good pop, too. Not as many homers, but still, you know, in the conversation. And then I looked at speed. And you might think that Buxton is just going to run away with this one. But if you can believe it, he only stole two bases this entire year. The Twins have clearly been conservative with his health and have told him, you know, not to run, not to overdo it. So he's only stolen two bases and Julio Rodriguez has stolen 22 bags. Absolutely unbelievable. 22 homers, or sorry, 22 steal on bases, 15 homers, and he has just absolutely lived up to the hype, and I could not ignore that power-speed combo, so I had him as my third AL outfield reserve. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. I, I agree with you on the fact that it should be Julio um, if you're going to have to decide between those three. Um, though I do say I think it is a crime that you don't have Buxton on there um, and Kyle Tuckler. I, I get Deandre Diaz one. I really do. Um, but we'll have to kind of see where we differ DH-wise because I, I have two DHs that have made it for me. I'm not sure if you did or not, but let's kind of dive into DH here real quick. Um, Shohei Otani, fan favorite. Should he have been starting? No. I mean, just no. Uh, Jordan Alvarez has been ungodly. Best hitter in baseball, in my opinion. 197 WRC plus. I mean, that is ridiculous. Um, there's just there's just no above 1100 OPS. Like, there's just no real argument, in my opinion, for Shohei other than he has he has clearly been the best hitter in baseball. Always. Yeah, yeah, there's it's no it's it isn't. But at the end of the day, have him on your bench. He gets hurt, right? So you're gonna have to have at least one more DH. I had JD Martinez making my team right away. Um, and that is who Major League Baseball had as the replacement for Jordan on the bench, but I had him right away. Um, I thought that JD has had a phenomenal year, 142 WRC+. Plus. Um, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, if it, it would come between him and Yandy Diaz for me for that last spot on the bench, um, and this is prior knowing Jordan was out, I gave it to JD. Um, been playing very well in Boston, hitting over 300, slug, or, excuse me, slugging over 480s at 490 at this point. Um, he's just had a very, very good J.D. Martinez year, and it's kind of been quiet. It's been a quiet J.D. year, for sure. Yeah, so I also had J.D. Martinez on there. It wasn't too hard of a choice, um, but I only had him um, as a sub for Alvarez. Um, ah. Yeah, so because of that extra spot opened up, I put in J.D. Martinez. I also considered... Harold Ramirez of the Rays, he's been on an absolute tear recently, but uh, I thought two uh, unknown Rays players might be one too many for my All-Star <laughs> team, so I unfortunately had to uh, keep him out. 
No, I think that's a fair assessment for sure. It, it, you want to, you want to, because the Rays do their thing there, and they do a very good job of it, but I don't think at the end of the day, Major League Baseball would support that. It is a popularity show. They're trying to give viewerships. It's an exhibition game, like we've talked about. Um, so, yeah, that kind of wraps up the position player side of things. Um, I think, you know, overall, I'd give it a, a pretty good score. They did a solid job. There are some ridiculous things like we touched on. Anything else you wanted to talk about before we head to the pitcher side of things? No, let's go to, go to the pitchers. Yeah, so if we had the pitchers, um, let's start with who made the, the, the starting pitching rotation side of things, then we'll kind of go into the relief pitchers. So you had the obvious. Shane McClanahan made it, Justin Verlander, Alec Manoa, uh, Martin Perez, Nestor Cortez. At least in my opinion, those five were the best five. All five of them made it. Um, you can argue that there's, you know, Dylan Cease might be a little bit better, but in my opinion, those were the top five. Um, next guy coming in for me, starting pitcher-wise, was Dylan Cease and Paul Blackburn. Those were the seven starter starting pitchers that I had making it. Like I said, the first five made it. Paul Blackburn made it as the lone representative for the Oakland Athletics. Now, I'm not going to dive deep into every single one of these starting pitchers, um, because that'll, that'll just take too much time. I will talk a little bit about Blackburn. Um, he's been good. He has actually been good, and, and a lot of guys are not going to know who Paul Blackburn is. He's not been exciting, okay, by any means. He's not an exciting pitcher, but he's been good for the Oakland Athletics and actually very close to deserving uh, of a representative. He has a 3.62 ERA. Um, that's not out of the realm of, of an all-star. Other guys better than him, sure, but the A's needed a representative. He's not been bad. Um, I think the biggest thing is they included three more starting pitchers um, on this list, which is which is not a problem um, to me because Framer Valdez just missed the cut for me, and he did make the all-star team, and I have no issue with that one. He's had a great year. Um, he has a 2.66 ERA. Uh, he's just doing his thing, getting ground balls and, and going six, seven innings every time for um, Dusty Baker over there in Houston. Gregory Soto made it as the lone representative for the Detroit Tigers. Miguel Cabrera, as a legend, does not count as a representative. So they had to get Soto in, and he's been good out of the pen. Um, so that was another addition that I did not have. Um, and then Garrett Cole. Now, I'm going to kind of get into something real quick here because this is a little bit too extreme, in my opinion, of choosing popularity over who's been good. So let's look at something with Dylan Cease for a second, because that's the starting pitcher I had in that they did not, that Garrett Cole made it in over. Dylan Cease this year, as K per nine is above 13. Okay, let me say it again. It's above 13. Carlos Rodon, who is known for striking out guys, Shane McClanahan is known for striking out guys, they're not even at 12. He is at 13 Ks per nine. Um, his ERA this year is at 2.3. He's put together 2.7 more. So let's just consider all that, right? And now let's go find Garrett Cole. 11 strikeouts per nine. Not bad. 11 and a half. Give it to him. He has a 3.05 ERA. Not bad. 1.9 more. Not bad. None of it's bad. Not saying Garrett Cole's been bad. He's not in any shape or form an ulcer over Dylan Cease because there's not a single statistic other than wins that you can look at that tells me otherwise. Um... And to actually take that back, Cease has tied him in wins after his last start. So the only thing that Garrett Cole does better is he's thrown 
nine more innings pitched. There's no argument in my opinion, and if you say otherwise, you're just solely saying it as a biased Yankees fan because there's no argument for Garrett Cole. Um, that one really, really irks me because it's Garrett Cole. He doesn't need the all-star bonus. He doesn't need to make the game. He doesn't. There's no, there's no, he doesn't need it. He's fine. He's fine to not make the game one year. But Major League Baseball had to because they'll do anything for Garrett Cole. And they've proven that, and they've just proved, proved it again. Um, and the fact that Dylan Cease is still yet to be added to the game, I know none of the pitchers have gone down with injury, or we found out that any of them aren't pitching in it. Um, but if he's not the first one added, I think there's going to be a real problem, because that is an overlook. He is the second pitcher in Major League history to have not been made an all-star while having a strikeout rate above 13 and an ERA below 2.5. The other was Pedro Martinez in 2001. That's it. Oh. That's my rant. But... It, it really does piss me off, I have to be honest. Um, and, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on the starting pitchers before we kind of dive into the bullpen. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, had some, I've, had a, I've had struggles with this one. There's really no way to come, work around this, in my opinion. I'd like to hear what you, if, you, if you have a different perspective than maybe I do. <laughs> yeah, so this is an interesting one. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the bullpen, too, because I feel like it was somewhat connected. Okay, um, here fair enough. Because, you know, you have to choose... At maximum, twelve pitchers. Right. Um, so you got to kind of find a balance here between the uh, uh, between you know starters and relievers. And there were not, there are not, I should say, too many big name relievers in the AL having All Star caliber years. Um, you know, as as with as uh, always, there's always guys. You know, with somebody comes out of nowhere with the O five O ERA. Um, but it's tough to put guys like that in the All-Star game because, you know, they just come out of nowhere. Nobody really knows them except for the team they're on. Um, so MLB seemed to take the approach of, well, let's just kind of find the guys that people have heard of that are having good years, and we won't put too many relievers on there, and we'll just go heavy on the starters. So they've had Clay Holmes and Emmanuel Classe, who are relatively well-known relievers. And then they also had Gregory Soto and Jorge Lopez of the Orioles, um, who were probably just throw-ins to, to get their team a representative. Um, I, for my list, I also had Holmes and Classe, and I also had Lopez as the Orioles' representatives. But I did throw in two relievers who are having excellent seasons um, under the radar. Um, Adam of the Rays and Burke of uh, of the Texas Rangers having absolutely unbelievable years. Sub two ERAs, um, strikeout rates off the chart. Um, and I should say Lopez is not is not really a throw. He's had a great year for the O's. Sixteen saves, another sub two ERA. Um, so he has been really good. But so keeping in mind, I had to choose one extra reliever over MLB. So I had one fewer spot for a starting pitcher. So I had McClanahan, Verlander, Manoa, Cortez, and Otani, although he doesn't really count because he's already in as a hitter. And for my final two spots, I had Tarek Skubal of the Tigers. I chose him over reliever Gregory Soto, which in hindsight may not have been the best choice, but Skubal has been really the only starter on the Tigers this year. So he is 
that like that's actually made his his uh, starts. Everybody else in the in the rotation has been decimated by injuries, and he really broke out earlier in the season. Um, had a sub three ERA for a while. He's hit a rough patch here um, to push his ERA up a little bit, but um, I wanted to reward him for uh, that breakout that um, a lot of people had seen coming with him. He was a a dark horse um, pick to break out this year, and he did, and so I rewarded him with an all-star selection. Um, But in in hindsight, I think it probably would have been a better choice to go with uh, Gregory Soto, as MLB did, and as uh, Logan, I think, said he did. Um, But for my final... um, starting pitcher in the AL. It wasn't Cease, um, even though he definitely has been deserving, but the A's needed representative, and I was shocked that MLB chose Paul Blackburn, and I'm even more shocked, Logan, that you chose Paul Blackburn over Frankie Montas. Um, I really want to hear your reasoning for that, because yes. they have thrown almost identical innings. Montas has thrown one out fewer than Paul Blackburn, one third inning. Montas has a K per nine over nine. Blackburn's only a seven. Um, and Montas's ERA is three two six compared to a three six two for Blackburn. So what are you looking at there? Um, so when I did this list, it was last Saturday. Last Saturday, Blackburn had a lower ERA. His last outing, I believe, was a blow-up outing there um, for Oakland. I know at that point he did have a lower, if not identical, ERA to Montas. The reason I went with Blackburn is because I knew the second they added Montas, he would be taken off the roster for injury, and they'd have to add Blackburn. So in my opinion, there is no reason to do that other than just put Blackburn on. For those of you who may not know, uh, Montas is dealing with a shoulder injury that he said he does not want to come back before the All-Star break. He told the A specifically, even though they tried to get him to come back, that he's not going to come back till the break is over. So that was kind of my reasoning into it. Um, the ERAs, like if you were to look at this point in time today, yes, I, I agree uh, Montas has had a better year. But at the time, Blackburn was so similar to him ERA-wise that I had no issue putting Blackburn in over Montas just to save us the time of not having to take him, Montas out and putting Blackburn in when, in my opinion, they were so similar. It was a toss-up, and since they had to both be, one of them had to be in. I just went with um, getting in Paul Blackburn, and I had no issue doing that. Well, it seems I have been out-researched because I was unaware that Montas was injured, so that certainly makes sense uh, to put Blackburn in there. Um, all right, I do definitely agree with you that Dylan Cease deserves to be in. Um, especially over Garrett Cole. Um, now, you had Martin Perez, is that right? Yes, I did. I did not. I Interesting. did not find room for Martin Perez. He certainly got off to an insane start, um, but he's fallen off a little bit now, and that was just enough for me to squeeze in um, Nestor Cortez, Alec Manoa, Verlander, etc. in front of him. Um, so, yeah, that, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. So you're saying you did not have neither Cease nor Martin Perez. Who are your final few starters again That besides besides uh, Montas? Okay, let me just list them here. We got McClanahan, yeah. Verlander, Manoa, Otani, Cortez, Montas, and Scooball. Scooball. But you have to remember that I had five relievers. 
as well. Right, so right. That took a spot away from one of my starters. Right, so you had one more reliever than me, um, and I had obviously one more starter than you at the end of the day. So that made it pretty easy for me to get both uh, Perez and Cease. Honestly, like I said earlier, um, Scooble is having a fine year, and I know at the time when you did this, he had a sub four. And I also understand that you needed a representative. So I get that. I'm not necessarily going to dog you on that one. For me, um, like I said, I had to add more starters just because of the amount of starting pitcher that is so good. And I and I totally know what you were saying earlier about the relievers. There are a deep number of relievers. Um, and I'll kind of get into who I had as well. And it was actually there's another reliever that you didn't have that I had who has a 1.1 this year um, over in Boston. But I will say this. Um, I don't think it's egregious based on the list that you have that you don't have Martin Perez. Um, I do think it's egregious that you don't have Dylan Cease. I will have to say that. I don't think there's really a question, and I don't see a way that you can't have Dylan Cease on based on the statistics that he has. Um, when you look at K, percentage, and ERA, and you combine the two, there's really only a couple pitchers in the entire league that you can argue that are better than him. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a tough list to make because you can argue you can argue a lot of guys. And, I mean, Framer Valdez has been phenomenal. He has a 2-6. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're looking yeah, down the list. Mm-hmm. Right. There's guys, and there's deep, deep guys that just aren't going to make it. And in, and at the end of the day, it's tough. It's really tough. And I can't really nitpick your list just for the sole fact that I'm nitpicking margins. I'm not nitpicking something huge. So, I, I had Martin Perez. I think he's just been good. He was also, I believe, my only Ranger that I had. Yeah, oh, I did have so Jonah Heim, so I guess I didn't need Perez, okay. but I still felt as though Perez should have made it. I was wondering about that because I needed to include um, Burke of the Rangers at mm-hmm. the because I did not have Heim at catcher, and I didn't have Perez um, at starting pitcher. Got so it. I think, yeah, if I, if I did this again, I would probably swap out Burke Perez, and I would probably change Scooball for Soto, and then I think I would take Adam out of the bullpen and replace him with Cease in the starting rotation. Right, fair enough, fair enough. And so then, yeah, we kind of dive into the, you dove into your relievers. I'll quickly touch on mine. I won't spend too long. I had Class A, saves leader. I think if you're the saves leader, you should be in, unless your ERA sucks. Clay Holmes has been phenomenal for the best team in baseball. Got to have him in. I had George Lopez, or excuse me, Jorge Lopez or George Lopez. I'm sorry if I'm, I don't know. Um, either way, Lopez. it is Jorge. I, I thought so. Um, Jorge Lopez in. He's been really good for Baltimore, lone representative. I had no issue putting him in either, even though he was a lone representative. He's had a great year for Baltimore. Um, so then that left me essentially one spot left in my relief pitching side. Um, and to me, um, and I think Burke's been great, he was in consideration for sure. Um, it came down to two guys. And there's one guy I'm surprised you didn't mention. Um, it came down to two yeah, guys. Who you're gonna talk about. Yeah, it came down to two guys. It came down to Jason Adams, and it came down to John Schreiber. Um, and so when you want to compare those two, uh, Adams has 36 innings versus Schreiber's 32. Um, Adams has a 1.24 ERA, and Schreiber has a 1.1. Um, case per nine are essentially identical i mean it's a it's a coin toss and and if you were to look at my notes here i had adams in it originally until i realized i needed paul blackburn until i realized i needed the a's representative i had him um 
I had to get rid of Adams just for the sole fact that the ERA is slightly higher. And it's not like it's higher by a lot. They're just so identical. I just said, hey, he has a lower ERA by .14. Um, so I went with uh, John Schreiber there. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I don't have an issue with you, even if it was your representative for Texas going Brock Burke, because like you said, he has a 1.17. Case for nine's not there, but he also has 46 innings. Um, and then another guy who I honestly think kind of gets snubbed out of a lot of this is another Yankees reliever in Clay Holmes, who's thrown 49 innings of 2.19 ERA this year. Leads the was that Michael King? Yeah, Michael King leads the yeah. leads the American League in WAR for relievers. It's so tough, especially with pitchers. It's tough because it's so tough to compare. Um, starters to relievers and, and determine how many starters versus relievers you're going to carry. Um, so yeah, it's kind of what kind of what I had, and and I think overall we agreed. We had a couple nuances here and there that were different um, for the American League side, um, but I think it might be time to kind of dive into that National League side of things here and and see what that had going. Um, and I'll kind of let you kind of take control of that one if you don't if you don't mind, Johnny. Yeah, for sure. Um, one more remark about the pitching is for sure. You know, we all know that the offense is down this year. I mean, there's several theories for this. You know, the ball, the humidors, um, just simply the weather. But offense is down, and that makes it even harder to choose pitchers because you know you're not used to seeing so many sub three and even sub two ERAs. Um, it definitely makes it difficult to choose. But, all right, let's go to the NL, where our fan-elected starters are Wilson Contreras, a catcher, Paul Goldschmidt at first, Jazz Chisholm Jr. at second, Manny Machado at third, Trey Turner at short, Bryce Harper at DH, and Acuna, Betts, and Jock Peterson in the outfield. Unfortunately, Chisholm and Harper um, can't play due to injury, so we'll get into all the reserves and the replacements for those two. Oh, yeah, and before I forget the legend... Albert Pujols in his final season for the Cardinals. Um, certainly a deserving choice. Don't know who else in the National League uh, could compete for him, could compete with him for the legend spot there. Um, uh, you could so. argue two of his teammates, actually. Though no one's going to no one's gonna be on the same level as him, obviously. But Wainwright and, and Molina are both legends in their final years, most likely. But That's absolutely needless right. to say, Pujols is the best out of all three. All right, so let's jump in right at catcher. Um, Wilson Contreras has been far and away the best catcher. He certainly deserved to start, and I'm glad that he is. Um, and after that, there's really two, maybe three catchers in consideration. So we have Will Smith of the Dodgers, Travis Darnot of the Braves, and then somewhat JT Real Muto of the Phillies. Now, Real Muto has been the best catcher in baseball over the past few years. Um, him and Yasmani Grandal of the White Sox have been right there. Um, and all three of these guys, Smith, Darno, Remuto, are pretty close in war, uh, both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference war. Um, but Real Muto was definitely my first cut here because he has a 92 weighted runs created plus, which honestly <laughs> is impressive. To put up an all-star amount of war while carrying a 92 WRC plus means his defense is absolutely outstanding. Uh, unfortunately for him, Defense is not really the main consideration here for the All-Star game, um, but kudos to him for uh, still being an outstanding defensive player, even though his bat has slipped a little bit this year. Um, so that leaves us with Will Smith and Travis Darnot. Um, as I said, very close in war, but Smith is a bit more 
offensively oriented. Um, he has more homers, a slightly better um, total offensive profile. Um, and he has one more thing going for him, which is that he's a Dodger. And so considering all that, he's the hometown guy. I put Smith in over Darno, And I was pretty surprised to see that MLB had selected Darno to be the reserve catcher. What do you think, Logan? Oh, no, I, I, it's, this one is a little bit beyond me, to be honest. I, um, I'm really not seeing the, conne- the connection here between uh, Travis Darno being the backup catcher versus Will Smith. Like you said, it's a Dodger game, and they've already shown a little bit of Dodger bias in their selections, yet they don't put Will Smith on there. 142 WRC+. Plus. I mean, him and Yandy Diaz might be the two guys who have an above 140 WRC+, plus that don't make the game. Um, and especially and for Taylor a whole, Ward. And Taylor Ward, that's, that's, that's true. Um, but Will Smith, man, I mean... His WRC plus is almost thirty points higher than Travis Darno. It's it's twenty eight points higher. It's not close, and it's not like Darno's matched him in WAR. He's point seven off. I this is another one that's a little bit beyond me. I'm just really not seeing the connection here. It it should be Will Smith, and I hate the Dodgers and hate in all capital <laughs> letters. But at the end of the day, what's right is right, and this is just straight wrong. They just messed this one up, and I get it. The players voted, and this is who the players vote, and they probably a lot of them don't spend as much time as as we do on this, but. I mean, what statistics were they showing? Or maybe, the, I don't know, did the players just vote based on who they like? Or, hey, I just played Darno last week and he hit a bomb off us? Like, Or he, win the, he won the World Series, so he deserves it. Right, like, there's just no connection here. Um, Will Smith is getting robbed. I don't see him getting added to the roster either unless Darno backs out, because Contreras ain't backing out. He's playing with his brother, I can tell you that much. Yeah, I don't know. That's another one that's just beyond me. I just don't get it. All right, well, at least we're in agreement there. Uh, moving on to first base. Lots of candidates here. Lots of deserving yes. candidates. Pete Alonso, Freddie Freeman, Josh Bell, Matt Olson, Garrett Cooper of the Marlins, and Reese Hoskins of the Phillies, all having outstanding years. Um, so those seven were all under consideration for me. Interesting. Um, yeah, so first to go was Olson. Um, he's the only guy in that group in the 120s, if you can believe it. Weighted runs, create, weighted runs created plus. Everybody else is 130 and above. Um, and he hasn't been quite up to standards with uh, his last year in Oakland. So he was my first cut there. Um, and then I'm left still six candidates that were all extremely deserving of all-star consideration. So Freeman, um, not hitting for as much pop this year, only 10 homers. But high average OBP and 26 doubles. Um, so he's, he still has a super solid batting line. Josh Bell having a great year for a terrible Nats team. He'll surely be on the move at the deadline. Um, and then Cooper and Hoskins also above 130 weighted educated plus. Um, unfortunately, with the stacked position, um, I couldn't find room for Cooper, Hoskins, or Crone. Um, so that still leaves me with three first basemen. I haven't even mentioned Pete Alonso, but that's just because he was a no-brainer for me. Um, he is absolutely raking right now. One of the best offensive players in the National League. So I carried, excuse me, I carried four backup first basemen because Crone, I needed Crone as a reserve for the Rockies. Um, so I know this is this is pretty crazy, uh, pretty out there, but... 
I thought all four of these guys were extremely deserving. Um, Freeman, again, a Dodger. That's, that's points in his favor here. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think, Logan? I'm sure you didn't have four, but... No, well, based on your... Uh your parameters for first base i did but no i only put three i have garrett cooper as a dh that's where he's played this year um so he he does make it i'll give you a little sneak peek into my my dh selection he does make it for me but as a designated hitter i have pete alonzo like you said no brainer um the second one i had because he's my lone colorado rocky representative is CJ Crone. Um, I feel like he's played well enough to be an all-star. Um, and I didn't really see another Rocky that I liked, besides maybe Daniel Bard. Um, but there's just too many. There, it, you'll see when we get to the pitchers why it was tough to fit him in for me. Um, I also did have Josh Bell. I did 144 WRC plus this year. Um, did it for me. He's been raking. He's been consistently raking. He's been around 900 OPS pretty much all year. Um, I really love what he's done at the plate. Now, I think my biggest snub uh, from the first base position would be Freddie Freeman. Um, He's been hot, especially lately, which has really boosted his numbers. Uh, And by hot, I mean he's kind of torching the ball right now um, consistently. And he's definitely um, ballooned his numbers from the last week from when I did this. If I were to do this again today, he probably makes my team over uh, Josh Bell. But I will say this. Um, Josh Bell deserves it. Josh Bell should be an all-star, 144 WRC+, plus, but this is the most stacked the position that there was in baseball. For me, there, it was besides pitching, um, there was no position player pool that was tougher to decide from, and there's no bigger busts and guys that are going to be left off that you may not even consider busts because there's no spot for them. Um, and I think it's kind of a shame that both Bell and Freeman can't go to the game. I think those are really the only two that should, but aren't just because of the depth of the position. Yeah, I would like to correct myself here. I was wondering as I was reading this how I possibly found room for four first basemen. And I actually pulled a fast one here where I selected Freeman, but I said, hey, since Harper can't DH, let's make Freeman. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Because it reminded me of uh, the 2016 All-Star Game. Obviously, there was no DH in the National League at that point. And... um, the uh, commissioner made Will Myers the DH as the hometown Padres all-star. And uh, I thought it'd be pretty fitting to make Freddie Freeman, the hometown Dodger DH um, in the starting lineup. Yeah. I like Not that. How it played out obviously, but I thought that would be a good way to get him into the game. I do like that very much. Uh, that is a good point to be made. All right. Moving on to second base. Starter is Chisholm. Um, at the point that we had made these lists, um, he was still in, but uh, somewhat questionable. So I made my choices um, kind of under the assumption that he might not uh, make it for the game. So I made sure to have an extra backup. So Jeff McNeil is a pretty easy choice for first reserve. Right. Um, he has had a great year for the Mets. Um, really outstanding, leading them to first place in the East one of the best records in baseball. Um, he's definitely an easy choice. Um, if, at, at the point that I was considering this, I was saying, well, if Chisholm can't play, then who do I put in as a replacement? And it came down to three names for me. Uh, Jake Cronenworth of the Padres, Gavin Lux of the Dodgers, and Cattell Marte of the D-backs. All in the NL West, all with 
fairly similar similar overall production and all interestingly kind of more contact hitters um, than power hitters although Marte has been a power hitter in the past he hasn't really put up those numbers um, this year so Lux and Cronenworth are pretty close Lux has been better on a rate basis uh, about 120s weighted runs created plus to Cronenworth around 110 but Cronenworth does have a hundred more plate appearances and he's a better defender than Lux, which evens it out a little bit. Um, Marte, definitely a solid player for uh, the D-backs, but he's a poor defender, at least uh, according to public stats for defense. And it was between him and Joe Mantiply for Arizona as their representative, and I just found it easier to squeeze in uh, an extra reliever in Mantiply than Marte at second base. So... It just came down to Cronenworth and Lux for me, and eventually I decided that if Chisholm couldn't play, which it turns out that he can't, I was going to go with Lux as my other reserve second baseman. Yeah, I think your thought process is honestly identical to mine, so I won't spend too much time getting into mine. Um, I will say this. I originally had Jeff McNeil as the backup. Obviously, now that he's replacing him, I would have also gone with Gavin Lux. I just think he's the better hitting profile guy. Obviously, like you said, Cronenworth has been the best war second baseman in the National League, assuming you include Tommy Edmond in the shortstop category. Um, so I get why Major League Baseball decided to put him as an addition. Um, but other than that, I'm not. I don't have too much more to add at that position. If I think it was somewhat straightforward. I don't think that they necessarily got it right in adding Jay Cronenworth. Not that we are going to complain as Padre fans. However, mm-hmm. um, again, unbiased. This sounds hard to say, but I do think a Dodger deserved it more than a Padre when, when push comes to shove there. Yeah, 100% agree. And again, surprising given that the game is at Dodger Stadium. Um, interesting choice there by Very. a bit Cronenworth over Lux. Um, Very. He is a bit of a he's a bit of a household name, you know. Crone Zone. He was part of the Slam Diego Parade in 2020. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely interesting. All right, moving on to third base. You did shortstop in front of third base, which is very un MLB scorecard. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna do third base. All right, first. Um, Starter is Machado, and he certainly deserves it. It's been very close, actually, with Arenado, um, but I would give Machado the slight edge. It was a very slight, a very uh, tight race in the fan voting. Um, so Machado is a starter, and clearly Arenado has to be a backup. Um, there's really no, uh, no other choice um, for the first backup. Um, and then behind him, Austin Riley's coming on super strong, um, especially lately. When I made this list, he was a little bit farther behind. Um, and I also considered Drury, Brandon Drury of the Reds, who mm-hmm. is having an extremely underrated season. I mean, understandably, since the Reds haven't won like any games at all. But <laughs> um, Drury has a 132 weighted runs created plus, which is like unbelievable, uh, especially for a guy who has been a platoon player for most of his career. Um, and since I had to get a red into my all-star game, I put Drury in there, even above Riley, which is unfortunate since Riley is really having a better year than Drury, especially now. Um, but all's well that ends well because Arenado was injured, so Riley gets 
the nod there. So all told, technically, I have three third base backups, uh, although one of them can't play. Yeah, no, I ended up doing the same exact thing as you, except for I had Riley making my original roster. Um, even before the Arenado injury, I had Arenado. I also had Brandon Drury making the team. Um, and Austin Riley. I couldn't stomach myself not putting Austin Riley on the list. He was my last addition to the team, actually, when I was looking at who could be my final extra hitter. It came down to Austin Riley. Brandon Drury, for me, was the red selection. It was between him and Luis Castillo. Um, and obviously, Major League Baseball went with Luis Castillo. I don't have an issue with the route that they went. Um, but Austin Riley, I think, had to make it, make it. And like you said, he has just been hotter than hot this last two and a half weeks. Um and you know that probably hurt his all-star campaign because he came on late. But he yep, has to be exactly. in the game. He made the game. Um, I have really no complaints with how they handled third base at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, yeah, I was a little worried that Castillo hadn't pitched enough to really be considered for the all-star game. But he has really been excellent when he's pitched. And he's been in the media because he's a big trade candidate, probably going to get moved. Um, to a contending team this summer. So I can definitely understand why they put Castillo in over Drury. Much, a much more well-known player than Drury. Um, all right, so moving on to shortstop. We got Trey Turner, who's the starter at, uh, at shortstop for the Dodgers. Um, barely edged out Dansby Swanson. There's a little drama, actually. The MLB originally announced Swanson was the starter and then deleted their tweet and replaced it with Turner. So I'm not sure what that was about. But anyway, they are having very similar years. And uh, for that reason, it's pretty easy choice to choose Swanson as the reserve here at shortstop. Um, although there are several other NL shortstops having good years. Tommy Edmond, chief among them, and uh, also Francisco Lindor and Adamas of the Brewers um, having pretty good years. Although none of them really on the level of um, of Turner and Swanson, um, I will say though, Tommy Edmond, <laughs> over three, yeah. he is a really interesting player because Very. he's basically a league average hitter, if not slightly below this year. But he has contributed so much with his glove and on the bases as well that. He's provided over three wins of value before the All-Star break. Over and three and a half. Over three and a half now. It's ridiculous. And, um, yeah, it's really hard to exclude that. But at the same time, he's not a household name. He hasn't done much offensively, you know, from a hitting perspective. I guess you can count base running as an offensive skill. But, um, yeah, I ended up leaving him off my list, and I felt a little unsure about it. Um, what about you, Logan? No, it's funny. I had no unsure feelings about that. No chance Tommy M is making my team. 3.64, get that out of here. League average hitter, you're not an all-star. Okay, We're not here to watch you play good defensive shortstop for two innings. We want to see you hit bombs. So that's not making the team. Um, I mean, that's just really my thought process. Danzy Swanson should be starting at shortstop, but it's not egregious that Turner is by any means. So I don't have an issue there. I think another guy who you didn't mention that – shouldn't be an all-star, but we should mention that's having a very underrated year in the entire league is Nico Horner for the Cubs. Um, mm-hmm. He's put together 2.7 more, 114 WRC+. Plus. Not in consideration for an all-star. I really didn't consider anyone else other than those two that did end up making it in Swanson and Turner. 
but I just want to shout out Nico Horner because I feel like he's very, very underrated. Um, and he's, he's doing some, some interesting and underrated things over there in Chicago. Nice. Like to see it. So moving on to DH first year for a DH in the national league. Um, although they've always been in the all-star game, but, um, so we had Bryce Harper as a starting DH, obviously he couldn't make it. I considered William Contreras, who was the runner-up in fan voting, for DH, but eventually I decided that if it was going to become Contreras versus one of my first basemen to miss the All-Star game, I felt that all four of those first basemen were more deserving than him. And so what I did was, as I mentioned earlier, um, didn't have Contreras, William, that is, Contreras as DH, and I put Freeman uh, as the DH instead. Um, he's having a great year, William Contreras. Uh, weighted runs created plus over 150, but this is one of those times where the played appearance argument, you know, the game's played argument, really comes to the fore. He has only about, as of, as of last time I checked, uh, 150 played appearances, less than half of most of these guys that are on the All-Star team, um, through no fault of his own, um, of course, but all the same... You know, you have to think if he was playing every day that A, you know, fatigue would start to set in, it's a long season, and B, pitchers would start figuring him out a little quicker. So for that reason, um, I did not include Contreras on my roster. Who did you say you had as your backup? Freeman. You had Freeman as your backup. Okay. So yeah, I um I do have a bone to pick on this one. I went with Garrett Cooper because I went with qualified DHs, which I think DH is very it's very tough to say who's a DH and who's not because it's such a revolving door position this t- this day and age. There's no, there's very few guys that just DH. Even Jordan Alvarez um, is a guy who doesn't DH anymore. Um, he plays left field, but we consider him a DH. I think the biggest thing for me was Garrett Cooper deserved to be there as the backup. 130 WRC plus. I just like the year he's had. I look at William Contreras, and here's where I'm going to start to get a little bit, a little bit annoyed. And you you mentioned it like. You're looking at these guys who have, he has 170 plate appearances at this point. Um, but at the time, like you said, he was only at 150. So what is the argument there, right? A lot of guys are doing well through 150 games. Um, that's not rare. That doesn't make you an all-star. So if we're going to include um, William Contreras, then why not include Matt Carpenter, right? Why not include Matt Carpenter? The dude has 1.9 war. He has 0.4 war, 0.4 war more than William Contreras in the American League. He has WRC Plus at 268. Why not include him? He only has 87 plate appearances, but hey, you know, he has 1.9 war. So we have to have a, we have to look at the plate appearances, guys. I mean, that's just, again, it's a cool story. That's why they did it. He was second in fan voting. That's why they did it. I get it. But at the same time, he gets to play with his brother. He gets to play with his brother. Cool story. Great. All this stuff. Going to be good for the media, whatever. I'm glad Garrett Cooper's in. I'm glad Garrett Cooper's there. Um, and not that there's necessarily someone I think deserves it. Another D8 that really deserves it in the National League. I mean, I, I, I really don't. I don't look at a guy unless you're going to add another position, a guy from a different position. You know, there's really not anyone who's really done well. But if you're going to add William Contreras, there's a, a few of other guys you got to consider that they just didn't. Um, for other positions, and for that reason, I don't have him on my list, and I don't think he should be. And the fact that he's a starter, um, oof, oof, that's a that's a little bit beyond beyond reason for me. So, yeah. All right, 
Um, yeah, I should mention. So I have, um, I technically have no DH backup since Freeman was pushed into starting duty with, um, for me with, uh, with Harper out. Um, but you know, you don't really need a backup DH since anybody can step in as a DH. Um, right. One of the backup first basemen probably since there are so many of those on the <laughs> roster. All right, so let's hit the outfield next. So our Ooh. starters, Acuna was the automatic uh, fan vote. And Joke. Betts and Peterson also made it in. <laughs> um, so looking at the reserves here, there's quite a few having good years. I considered six for my you know final consideration. Um I had Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, Brian Reynolds, Brandon Nimmo, um, Starling Marte, and Ian Happ under consideration for my final three position player spots in the outfield. And my choice of Juan Soto has certainly uh, been vindicated this last week. He has gone off. He's hitting over 400 in July. Um, His batting average is still low for his standards. Um, but certainly higher than some of the guys that have been All-Stars um, because he's getting on base at an insane rate um, and he's hitting for power as well. Um, weighted runs creator plus over 140. I think it's probably over 150 now for what he did this last week. Um, he certainly deserves to be there. Schwarber, I don't know what it is about June, but mm. Schwarber just loves the month of June. He Does has, he really? He has just transformed into Barry Bonds the last two Junes. <laughs> and uh, he leads in the NL in homers. He certainly deserves to be there. Um, a very uh, deserving home run derby participant as well. Yes. And so then four spots for four pretty similar players, Brian Reynolds, Nimmo, Marte, and Hap. Um, Nimmo and Marte, both on the Mets, having very similar years, both uh, contact hitters. Um, and what it came down to me to for me, unfortunately, was that the Pirates needed a representative and I was going to put Brian Reynolds as my rep. Now, this is a little bit of preview of the uh, bullpen situation here, but I was debating between uh, Bednar as the representative for the Pirates right. and Reynolds. Um but eventually I decided that Reynolds deserved it a little bit more. Um, I remember because the Padres were playing the Pirates early in the year that he was off to a terrible start. So just to see him in this position to be under all-star consideration is pretty good. And I went and digged into the numbers a little bit deeper uh, because I was curious. And he has a 167 WRC plus since the start of June. So um, he has certainly turned it on as of late. So I thought that was enough to push him into the all-star conversation. Very interesting. Yeah, no, so my outfield-wise is different than yours, no doubt. Um, did you say you had Ian Happ on there? Yeah, he you was did. definitely in consideration, yeah. Did you put him in or no? I did not, no. You did I, not. I said that despite having slightly a slightly better year than uh, Reynolds, Reynolds. Um, I, I had to find a spot for Reynolds. Okay, fair enough. Fair, definitely fair enough. Um, when I look at the the outfield situation, Acuna is a joke and a half that he's even um, starting 
and that he's the most voted player. Again, popularity contest. Wish they could fix it. Can't. Whatever. Move on. Betts and Peterson both should be be there, and probably yeah. The, the, there's good arguments for both to be starting. I, I think they probably got that right. Yeah, deserves to be an all star. No. I think if I'm looking at the stats right now. My last outfielder was Ian Happ, and Ian Happ's been a better player than Acuna this year, so no. But it's Acuna, though, you know. Yeah, I get it, and it's like it's also Tatis, right? Tatis was fifth. Tatis was fifth in voting in the All Star shortstop list, and he didn't even step foot on a field this year, even in spring training. Um, that, that that shows you the the discrepancies though in the fan voting. But moving on, like you said, Kyle Schwarber, that was no doubter. He's in. Um, Soto, proven me right, right? He was kind of a guy who wasn't killing it as a week ago. I feel like his WRC Plus has tripled. Um, but, you know, that he's just an insane hitter. He couldn't leave him off, um, even when he was considered to be having a down year at the time. Um, and then I did have Ian Happ, uh, 131 WRC Plus for me. Um, there's really not a NL outfielder that has a higher WRC Plus than him that uh, that did not make the team. He, he The next closest to him is... Um, I want to say the next close to Tim WRC plus. Well, uh, the guys that I considered qualifying was Starling Marte at 132. Um, take it for what it's worth. I didn't actually look these stats up, but from what I'm seeing, uh, with a quick, quick glance, it'd be Starling Marte. Um, obviously Marte made it, so you have to you know put him into consideration there. I did not have Starling Marte. Um, I was at first a little bit shocked that he made the team. The more I look at it, though. I'm not. He's actually been fairly good this year. Um, and to my surprise, not what I really expected. I, I kind of thought he was having a much more down of a year. I knew he had a, a tough start, but I remember at one point looking and he really wasn't doing um, what he's doing now. Um, like you said, Brandon Nimmo was a consideration, but I didn't really feel like there was a spot for a guy like Nimmo. Um, yeah, I feel like the outfield, they did fine. I really don't have an issue with the outfield. They got the outfielders I thought should be in. Marte was a borderline guy. He was in. I think they did a good job. All right. Um, okay, our last uh, section here, National League Pitchers. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a doozy. It's a doozy. So out of uh, 12 spots here, I selected six of each relievers and starters. Um, different than the American League where there were not too many uh, big-name dominant closers, um, it's not really the case in the in the National League. You got Hader, who actually has fallen off recently, but just in the past week he gave up six runs last night on a uh, furious Giants comeback capped by it. Mike Yastrzemski walked off Grand Slam. Um, but <laughs> at the time Yikes. of uh, all-star selections, Hader was uh, still king of the world in relief pitching. Um, and then, oh my gosh, um, Diaz of the Mets absolutely unbelievable he has found another gear this year he's striking out the world um his trumpets have given him superpowers <laughs> <laughs> and um so yeah those two were like the most automatic um for me and then there's also uh, ryan helsley flamethrower for the cardinals he has been locked down for them devin williams Sometimes, you know, can play second fiddle, the hater in the Brewers' bullpen, but their numbers were really identical at the time that I looked, and now certainly Williams has better numbers uh, given haters' blow-ups recently. Um, and for the final two spots, 
AJ Minter is having a really under the radar year for the Braves. They had a beast of a bullpen in last year's postseason, and he was an integral part of it then. Unfortunately, a lot of the guys that they had last year in that bullpen are struggling this year. Um, it's a good thing they got Kenley Jansen because uh, he's doing well for them. But of that group uh, that carried them last postseason, Minter is the only one that's having a good year, um, and he is certainly having an outstanding year. Um, and then my last selection, I hinted at it earlier, since I couldn't fit Keltel Marte into my second base group, I had to find a spot for Joe Mantiply in uh, my relief group. Um, he's certainly having a great year, not undeserving at all. Um, all of these relievers, except Mantiply, have a K per nine of at least 12, and uh, just sub two ERAs all the way around, you know, can't get much better than this. Um, that being said, that leaves six spots, only six spots for my National League rotation. And um, boy, I kind of regretted that when I uh, started looking at these names. So right off the top, Sandy Alcantara, man, like, have we seen a better first half in recent memory than this guy's put together? Maybe ERA-wise, but not in terms of war and how deep he goes in the games. And we haven't seen a guy pitch like him in the last 10 years, probably. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, he is. They said that uh, the horse was dying, you know, the Scherzers, the Verlanders of the game. But, man, I mean, this guy has certainly picked up the mantle. Um, Anybody who says Gonsolin should be starting the game has to base that on him being a Dodger because Correct. I don't care how low his ERA is. The man has like 45 fewer innings than Alcantara. And Alcantara <laughs> has made two more starts than him. Oh my goodness. It's just unbelievable. He's averaging over seven innings per start. Averaging over oh seven innings per start. And he has completed seven innings in 12 straight starts. That is just unheard of in oh, this game. By the way, he also has a 1.76 ERA, if we forget yeah, to mention. Yeah, it's, like you know, it's not like he's an innings eater like, you know, I don't know, Ulysses Chassin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of you no, may not even know that is. He's out there and dominating for seven, eight innings every time out there. And he has, what, two CGs so far this year? Yeah, and they're like 120 to 130 pitch CGs, too. Yeah, he's just... Absolutely unbelievable, and he's not a he's not a soft tosser either. He's up there mm-hmm. up to triple digits at times with movement, with a filthy wipeout changeup, and uh, yeah, just absolutely dominating. All right, not to spend our entire podcast on Sandy Alcantara, but he certainly deserves a few minutes of spotlight uh, for that performance. One hundred percent. We were ragging on Gonsolin, but I mean, he is certainly having an excellent year too. He would be the yes. no doubt starter if Alcantara wasn't there. Um, despite a little hiccup in his last start against uh, St. Louis, uh, but that was before I made this list. Um, so Gonsolin's easily in there, and then he got four spots behind those like top two, four spots left for me, and so I considered a plethora of starting pitchers. So we got Joe Musgrove of the Padres, Corbin Burns of the Brewers, Max Fried of the Braves, uh, Zach Wheeler of the Phillies, Carlos Rodon of the Giants, uh, Aaron Nola also of the Phillies, Spencer Strider of the Braves, 
um, Logan Webb of the Giants, and also Kyle Wright of the Braves. And the fact that the Braves have three starting pitchers under consideration here is, speaks to uh, how, how good their starting pitching is in their title defense pursuit. But um, in the end here, so I thought that Musgrove and Burns separated themselves from the field um, just by pure run prevention. I mean, ERA, you know, it's, it's a flawed stat. We know that. But, you know, when we're looking at all-star performances here, um, it really is important because, you know, we're not... The all-star game isn't a, uh, an exhibition in who's going to have the best next five years or something like that, you know? Right. It's who's a star right now. And those two are undeniably stars. Um, absolutely. And the same goes for Max Fried. I did not realize how good of a year he was having until I dug into the numbers, but just over a two ERA. He's right there with Musgrove and Burns. Um, absolutely dominating. And my last spot was absolutely the toughest to fill. Um, Wheeler having a great year. Rodon striking out the world. Um, also going deeper into games than uh, he has in the past. Aaron Nola. Um, I mentioned Spencer Strider having a great rookie year um, after he moved from the pen to the rotation. Unfortunately, that did cost him some innings, so he wasn't too serious of a consideration. Um, and in the end, it came down to Wheeler and Rodon, and I needed Wheeler as a Phillies representative since I couldn't squeeze in Harper, or uh, excuse me, since I couldn't squeeze in Hoskins at first base, and since Harper got injured, I needed Wheeler as a representative. I would think that if I didn't have that constraint, I probably would have put Carlos Rodon ahead of Zach Wheeler. Um, but again, you know, due to injuries and uh, just people being not lined up for the All Star game. Did you not Rodon have did, Kyle Schwarber? Did. Didn't you have Kyle Schwarber? Oh, you're right, actually. You're right. I did have Schwarber in uh, in my outfield. That's exactly right. Um, I don't know if I just didn't realize that or if I actually chose Wheeler above Rodon. Um, I don't think I it's ridiculous remember. that you chose Wheeler, though, by any means. Because um, when I, I had Zach Wheeler making it, just straight up. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely between those two. It's not like he was... Uh, you know, several spots down the list that I bumped him up. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I think actually I I am just making things up here. I didn't <laughs> I didn't have that constraint. I was just thinking that now. Uh, yes. But yeah. So, what do you think? What's your What's your uh, rotation? <coughs> like? So I think our top five are similar. I think there was five no doubt guys in my opinion, which would be Max Fried, Corbin Burns, Joe Musgrove, Tony Gonsolin, and the best pitcher in baseball, Sandy Alcantara. Um, again. Not going to dive into that. Johnny already did. I had two more spots. I went with seven starters, five relievers. Um, so I had two spots. And for me, it came down to a couple guys. Um, it, it really came down to Rodon, Wheeler, a guy you didn't mention, Miles Michaelis, who I'll get into in a second, mm -hmm. and um, Clayton Kershaw. So here's the thing with Kershaw. Should he be there? Yes. He didn't pitch enough innings for me. He just straight up didn't. Um, ERA, he's gone perfect game twice now after last night into the seventh inning um of starts he's doing some silly things um and he's he's proven that he, why he's 
considered the GOAT when it comes to pitching. Um, so I don't have an issue that they added him to the roster. It just he didn't make mine. Um, what I do find interesting is that they still have not yet to add Zach Wheeler. Um, here's why. I'm just going to give you a quick breakdown on Wheeler's stats so far, and, and I think you might kind of have similar feelings on Wheeler. Um, so Zach Wheeler this year has thrown 99 innings with a 2.89 ERA and 3 war, um, striking out 9.7 guys. Um, he's only walk, he's walking less than 2. Um, he, he's really been phenomenal. Um, I'm a little surprised he has not been added yet. At the same time, um, I get it. 2.89 while it might be really good and three wars really good there's other guys it's not a it's not a uh, a ridiculous miss michael's miles michaelis is the best era of a starting pitcher who has not been named to the all-star game he's in 113 innings with a 2.62 era now the reason that he's not really been talked about much is because he only strikes out 6.99 per nine um so i understand the miss on that one um but at the same time might be the best starting pitcher to not have made it yet it just kind of depends on what say, you're looking at. I will say about Michaelis, um, you're right. I didn't consider him, and um, I certainly should have after those numbers. You said another guy going fairly deep into games. Right. Um, I will say, though, that his all-star candidacy almost certainly rests on the lack of another two inches on Harrison Bader's glove in center field because if he made that catch... This month to secure the no hitter, I think Michaelis is probably an all star at this point. That is a great point. That might have MLB's hands tied. Um, that's that's a great addition, actually. Very good, very good point. Um, I think, like you said, so that left me with two guys. I had Zach Wheeler, and then I had to go with the strikeout king, Carlos Rodon. I shouldn't say strikeout king, but don't cease exist. But Carlos Rodon, strikeout king in the National League, you got to go with him. Um, in, in my opinion, you look at his ERA this year, and, and that's really the biggest indicator for me at the end of the day, as long as they're qualified. He has a 2.6, uh, sorry, 2.66 ERA, um, 3.8 war, his second war in baseball um, behind Sandy Alcantara. It's him and Sandy. Um, Carlos Rodon didn't make it originally, then it was an addition, but has now been subbed out. The guy who replaces him is Tyler Anderson, who, if you look at Anderson, um, you know, if you're on Baseball Reference and you and you filter by ERA, um, for Tyler Anderson, it's it's not a ridiculous stretch. The thing with Anderson is he's only thrown 89 innings, not ridiculously low, but he does have an above three ERA. He's at 3.02. Um, I think there's a better pitcher on his team, um, and Julio Rios who didn't make it. I think there's a better argument for. Kyle Wright. I think there's a better argument for Zach Wheeler. I think there's a better argument for Pablo Lopez, Logan Webb, Miles um, Michaelis even. I think it's just a hometown bias thing, but then again, they didn't do that at other positions for the Dodgers. I was, I was exactly going to mention that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Kershaw and Anderson for the Dodgers here uh, in, in the starting pitching uh, position. I mean, you know, Kershaw's a bit of an exception because he's a legend, but right. the fact that they took Anderson over, you know, putting Will Smith at catcher, you know, it's just like, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a little interesting uh, decision. Yeah, it definitely is an interesting decision, not agreeing with that one at all. I'm not going to go on one of my main rants on that one, but I don't disagree. I don't agree with it, per se. And Luis Castillo is the one we haven't mentioned, who is the all-star representative for the Reds. We mentioned it earlier, but just kind of wanted to bring that back up. Um, so when you go to relievers, I had five relievers. 
I had Josh Hader because at the time he had a sub-2 ERA. Now his ERA is at 4.5. I think the only silver lining in all this is he decided not to go to the game anyway. So he's not even going to be there. So we're not going to have to look at him getting the game with a 4.5 ERA. Um, I think that's good. I think the best reliever in baseball this year is one that we're not talking about. And it's Ryan Heasley over in, um, or excuse me, Helsley over in St. Louis. Um, it's 1.8 war. He's a freaking reliever. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, he has a 0.6 ERA. Uh, it, it's just, it's he's putting up silly statistics and he's throwing Ched over in St. Louis. Get to know Ryan Helsley for sure. Um, I think we were talking, we've talked a lot about strikeouts today. Um, but if you want to hear a ridiculous stat when it comes to strikeout, go look at Edwin Diaz talked about striking over 50% of guys, right? What does that look like in case per nine? We talk about high case per nine, right? Guys are striking out 13, right? Helsley is striking out 13.9, 13 per nine. That's high. Cease, 13 per nine. That's high, right? Edwin Diaz is striking out a mind-boggling 18 guys per nine innings. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's, that's averaging over two per inning. He's up 18.08. I mean, imagine every time a guy comes out, it's a guaranteed two strikeouts. I mean, it's ridiculous. Hey, it's and by the way, his FIP... That's one ball put in play per inning. His FIP is lower than his ERA at 1.77. It's just... It's silly what he's doing over there right now in New York. Had to have him on. Um, and I concluded two more. So Johnny obviously had... Um, Johnny obviously had the addition of uh, da -da -da, Brian Reynolds over in Pittsburgh. I, on the other hand, went with the reliever route. David Bednar, I thought that guy deserved to be a starter in the, in the game. He's doing phenomenal things over there with a 2.95 year Ray, um, 11 strikeouts per nine, 42 innings. He's doing, he's getting a little old school. He's had a lot of two out saves this year. Um, and when it came to representatives for me, it was either between having Ian Hapnot on the list, um, and putting on, uh, Brian Reynolds or putting David Bednar on, um, and adding another pitcher. Uh, it probably would have been Devin Williams for me, who did miss it for me, just barely. I went with Bednar. Thought he was the best representative for the Pirates. Um, and the final one, which Johnny and I agreed upon, and which I was surprised to see a universal agreement on for this one, because he's so not well-known, but he just has been pitching very, very well. And fun fact, with Joe Mantiply being the Arizona representative, this year at Palomar, I actually played with his cousin, um, who is also a lefty, very similar build, very similar um, you know, look about them. So that's kind of a little tidbit there. But um, Joe Mantiply making as that final representative in the National League as a relief pitcher. Um, and I honestly think overall, this is where they did the best, National League pitching. They got the most guys correct in this one. Um, the only stretch is Tyler Anderson, in my opinion. But other than that, they did a very, very good job with the pitching in the National League. Um, so I just kind of want to throw that out there. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. The five relievers in the uh, in the National League, as selected by MLB, I think they're the exact same five that you mentioned. Diaz, Helsley, Bednar, Mantiply, and Hayter. Um, so props to you for getting that one right on the nose. Yeah, thank you very much. So, hey, is there um, anything more you wanted to to add here before we wrap up our episode one of Painting the Corners All-Star Edition? Well, I think we've covered every position, uh, both leagues. Um, we could go into the Home Run Derby just for a second. Um, sure. Kyle Schwarber is uh, definitely deserving leading the National League in homers. Uh, unfortunately, Aaron Judge leading baseball in homers uh, decided not to participate but we still have some worthy participants um 
especially uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll all get a kick out of seeing Albert Pujols <laughs> yank balls down the left field line at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one to, to see. He's going to have to get strategic if he wants to win, but I just don't see him getting past round one. He, and he has a tough first-round matchup in Pete Alonso, back-to-back uh, champion there. So um, not looking good, but you got to put full holes in. I thought it kind of beforehand they might do something like that for him, and um, it definitely definitely makes, it, makes sense there, putting him in the game. All right, beyond Alonso is the obvious favorite. Who's your player to watch in the home run derby? Ah, uh, you know what? I think my player to watch is going to be Juan Soto. I think he gets passed round one. Um, that's a dangerous guy because he is a consistent swing. He's not trying to hit the ball a thousand miles. It just comes off his bat. So clean, so crisp. It's consistent swing. Um, he hits the ball to all fields. I think that's kind of the guy to watch. I think... I think this year, obviously, Big Meat Pete has a lot of strength on him, and he doesn't tire out, but I think that's really the key. Getting past round one is the key for a lot of these guys, and it's whoever can last the longest, and for me, it's going to be Juan Soto. If he gets past round one, I think he can really, I don't know if it's surprise is the right word, um, but I I think he's going to have a very consistent uh, amount of home runs throughout all three rounds. I could see him definitely taking home the shift this year. Nice. All right, I think I think it would classify a surprise as a surprise if anybody but Alonzo won at this point. Honestly, that's fair. He just looked built for the Derby. Obviously, won two back to back. So uh, yeah, we'll be looking for that tomorrow. Um, so that about wraps it up for the very first episode of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Johnny Neistead for my co-host Logan Parker. Signing off on the first episode. See ya.